Hey, Anna, remember that time JFK's assassination stole the thunder from C.S. Lewis's death? podcast i'm your host anna webb and i'm your host amanda webb this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all their favorite moments in history and here we are here we are and i can't believe that queen elizabeth died between the recording (laughs) and the publishing of our episode our last episode recorded and she died what two days later or something like that i can't believe i can't i cannot believe oh yeah Major historical event. We had already recorded the podcast. Yeah, it happened in the middle of my sixth period class, and I had to tell (laughs) my kids, hey, guess what? (laughs) You're living through a major historical moment. I got nothing else done that day, because I was just like, oh my gosh, it's happening. It's happening. Like, it's it's wild. My kids had to take a test. My kids had to take a test that day. (laughs) What? They were in the middle of their test when she died, and I had to sit there. And wait for them to finish testing so I could tell them that Queen Elizabeth had died. I was going to say, to be fair, it was probably harder on you that they had to take a test than it was on them. Correct. <laughs> Think of me. Not of the children. Think of me. <laughs> the queen is Think dead. It's me. very important to me. Personally. Think of the me. Yeah. I mean, listen, I have a lot of thoughts about Queen Elizabeth obviously um and rest assured there will be an episode on her in the pretty near future um i told amanda i think i want to do an episode on her father first because we talked about that's where we left off was george we talked about her uncle who who abdicated so now i want to talk about her father and then we'll do an episode about her um, which is sure to be a pretty long one because she had an extremely long life. Yes, as indeed. We all and lived through witnessed. some wild stuff. I scrapped yeah. my lessons the next day to do a whole lesson on all the wild stuff that she lived through. So Yeah. So, man, it, it's just wild to be living through this uh, major historical thing that here's what it is because we've obviously lived through a lot of major historical events in recent years yes this is a major historical event that in a way has happened before it's just that we have never experienced it because this person has been around for our whole lifetime our parents whole lifetime huge chunk of our grandparents lifetime you know Mm -hmm. so it, it feels very um surreal and obviously important um and i just there's so many feelings about her and about what happens now and i'm just i got a lot of thoughts um but this episode is not about that so i don't want to go into it too much but (laughs) yeah i just felt like we would be um remiss not to mention it because it's like wild that that happened that way for sure we will certainly talk more in depth about all of our thoughts and feelings when we talk about um queen elizabeth ii in her very long life but that's for mm-hmm. another day yeah um oh boy for now should well, we do a drink update <laughs> yes we should um i'm having some pineapple juice from friend of the podcast not a sponsor trader joe's delightful you know i love pineapple juice yeah i'm having water and i really wanted like a cider or something because we're doing a late night record tonight 
mm-hmm. um, because my week has been crazy. And then I got so concerned that the podcast gods would eat this podcast <laughs> yeah. if I had not water. And I'm too tired to deal with that. So I decided I would just have water. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. We had a, a minor little hiccup in getting set up for the record. And I was like, <gasps> like <laughs> the terror that I felt that it was going to set things back or screw things up. So fingers crossed. All mm-hmm. is well. Um, I also want to say earlier today, I kind of had a moment where I like fully lost my voice and I don't know what happened. So if that happens while we're recording, I do apologize. It seems okay now. Maybe a little bit scratchy, but um, I don't know what happened. I was like (laughs) speaking out loud about, um, well, you know, I live by myself, so I'm not, I don't have that many occasions to talk out loud unless I'm on a call or something with work. Um, I don't know. I, I said something to myself out loud because I do sometimes and my, my voice, it just didn't, it wasn't working. (laughs) Yeah. No, it wasn't that. It was like, I, you know how when you sound comes out, (laughs) it was very weird. So Great audio. That's where we are today. We're loving it. Uh huh. Yes, yeah, just a delightful audio experience. Yeah. Well, all of this was a very long prelude and had very little to do with our topic today. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fine. Um, not nothing to do with our topic today, but very little to do with our topic today. <laughs> um. So today we are going to be talking about C.S. Lewis. Yes. Um. No strong reason for it. I saw one of his books on my bookshelf, and I went. Oh, yeah, he's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about C.S. Lewis. I think I will eventually, not immediately, but eventually follow this up with an episode on J.R.R. Tolkien, um, because of course I will, but I'm starting with C.S., so. That one's going to be interesting, because yeah. I don't know much about him, or, uh-huh. or Tolkien, or his books, because I don't read them. Uh-huh. But he's a fascinating um, man, and yeah. so is C.S. Lewis, so. Uh, so are you ready to get into it? Let's do it. All right. So. Clive Staples Lewis is born in Belfast, Ireland. This is before it was Northern Ireland. This is still Belfast, Ireland. To Albert James Lewis and Florence Augusta Lewis Lewis on November 29th, 1898. Um, And he has one older brother, Warren. Don't get us started on Ireland after the Queen's death. Oh, man, we got a lot to talk about there, too. Okay. Um. So he grows up, like, in the Church of Ireland. Uh, His grandfather and a bunch of his relatives on his mother's side of the family are either priests or bishops of the church. Sure. Um, We are going to be talking a little bit of religion in this episode because it's very, very relevant to his lifetime. Oh, yeah, Um, 100%. I mean, have you read his books? It is the major, they are the major curves of his life have to do with his religious experiences. So he started... um, as a child uh, dragged into church <laughs> yeah, okay, um, by yes. his family. So let's just yeah. say this. Like, anything that we say about religion is not to, you know, knock anybody who may be religious. You should right, have no. your beliefs. I think that's wonderful. Um, just know what's relevant to the story. So we're going to yeah. talk about it a little bit. And you might hear our opinions a little bit. Yeah, and also, <laughs> if we're talking institutions, we're talking institutions. You yeah, know, 100%, like, it has 100%. much less to do with the practices or anything like that. Well, a lot more to do. Practices a little bit. Well, practices. Uh, uh, less beliefs, to do with the beliefs. Um, yeah. <laughs> but a lot more to do with just the practicality of the, all of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you could say he, quote, grew up Christian, but he was too young to really have a strong opinion about that. Um, so he grew up in the church uh, because right. of his family. Um, he's educated by private tutors when he's very young. 
Um, and in, in 1908, his mother dies of cancer. And, you know, typical mother dies when the child is young. The father becomes very distant. You know how it goes. Um, and so after her death, his father sends him to a boarding school in England um, that his older brother had been going to for a couple of years. But then, like, right after he starts going to it, that school closes because of a lack of enrollment. So this poor oh, kid. Oh, gosh. He's just getting passed around. Um, in 1910, he moves back back to Belfast because that close that school closes um, and enrolls in Campbell College but he leaves the school in December of that year because he's having a bunch of respiratory problems so his oh health gosh. is really bad yeah he, he's had a he can't a, get no education <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in 1911 he moves back to England to Malvern uh, Worcestershire nope. Worcestershire nope. what is this a straight up Worcestershire <laughs> Worcestershire, Worcestershire, yeah. um, yeah. and I hate I, England, England, why? Um, and eventually enrolls at Malvern College there, so he goes to school there for a couple of years. Um, and while he's at school here, he's like entering his teen years at this point. He starts <laughs> to lose his faith and eventually starts identifying very firmly as an atheist. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah yeah he goes through he goes through it um yeah but he the, he's been separated from you know the church for long enough and from his family for long enough and after his mother died you know his mother's side was the really strong connection to the church and so by the time he's here and he's gotten the education he's gotten he's like you know what actually no don't care for that yeah these are his teenage dirtbag years yeah big time <laughs> Um, he leaves Malvern College in June of 1913 and begins studying privately with William T. Kirkpatrick, who is his tutor for the next, like, several years, and he gets the mm-hmm. remainder of his education through this tutor. Finally. Yeah. A um, lot of bouncing around. Um, and during this period, he develops a really strong interest in Norse, Greek, and Celtic mythology and, like, occult legends. He gets, like, very deep into all of that. Love that. Yeah. And he's... I... There were so many fun quotes I was reading from him about how he was so very Irish living in England and just hated it so much. Um, Yeah. But I just couldn't really find the right place to include him. But know that they exist and know that they're all hilarious. (laughs) Um, I think that that's um, implied. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's implied. Um, in 1916, he gets a scholarship for University College of Oxford. So it's like the the original university right. of all of them. Um, <laughs> of all of them? He, he gets a, a scholarship. And he starts studying at Oxford in the summer of 1917. But uh-oh. Uh-oh, y'all. Oh, no. Something it's bad time. happens that year. It's time for World War One. World War One had been going for a little while well but yeah but now he's 18 like, now it's time now he's yeah. 18 and he's living in england and it's time for world war one right um so very shortly after starting school he joins the officers training corps and um after his training is complete he joins the british army um oh and, rough rough yeah. for an irishman to have to join yeah. the british army yeah happened to a lot of them in world yep. war one yep yep um and very quickly after he joins, he's shipped off to France to fight in mm-hmm. World War I. Um, 
his battalion is attacked in April of 1918 and he is wounded and two of his um, colleagues are killed by a British shell that falls short of its target. Whoa. So they were like, you know, charging in and the shell fell short and it wounded him and killed two others, two other British soldiers or other soldiers in the British army. Who knows? Right. Um, so, you know, he spends a lot of time in recovery. He's reassigned to England for a little while, but eventually he's demobilized in December and he returns back to school. So he was only in the war for about a year, maybe two, um, mm-hmm. before he left. And the war didn't last that much longer after that, but still. No. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the PTSD of that affected him for a very long time, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of his friends who was killed in action during World War One, uh, was Patty Moore. And they had gotten very close. And before his death, they had agreed that, like, if anything ever happened to either of them, they would look after each other's families. Because they sure, were both really close with their families. Um, and, you know, Patty was killed in action. And so after he returns home, he becomes very close with Patty's mother, Janie King Moore. Um, and he actually moves in with Janie and her daughter, Maureen, and lives with them for a really long time. Mm. Um, so, you know, his father at this point is really distant. So when he was in the hospital, it wasn't his father who was visiting him. Visiting him, It was Janie. Like, Aww. they, you know, became very, very sad. close. It, like yeah. I, you know, you know that they're not close, right? But you would think, oh, my son yeah. was wounded in war. Maybe I should at least go visit him in the hospital. Mm-hmm. But okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he was very close to his brother. Like, his brother is very present throughout his entire life. Um, but these people kind of become his family at this family. point. Now, there's this whole thing about nah. were they just really close or were they secretly lovers? Because he, like, he's like Wait, 18 the, and she's like 45. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Yeah. She's like 18 and know. he's like 45. It is not unheard of. It wouldn't sure. be totally crazy. But I don't know. It To yeah. me, I don't know. There's not a lot of like concrete there's evidence no either evidence way. Yeah. So like. There are lots of theories and reasons for those theories, but eh, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, not thoroughly convinced. It's hard because, like, they live together, so there would be probably less in terms of like letters for people right. to look at and see if there's any kind of um, and more just personal you know. anecdotes and theories right. about their living situation and whatever. I but mean, you know, maybe I don't. Who's to say? Who's to say? But what? A, who cares? Yeah. They're adults. I mean, it's not great in terms of the age difference, but, you know, it's 1918. They're grown. And also, they lived together for a really, really, really long time. And so I don't think it was, like, an initial thing. I think if it was anything, it occurred later. So, like, yeah. Listen, better the mom than the daughter. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't think the daughter was that crazy young. Still, though, he's 18, so. Yeah. She's younger than him. That's Mm -hmm. a big no. Yeah. Um, he continues his schooling, you know, now that he's back and he receives, okay, the British degree system is <laughs> weird. So you, you, you can get a bachelor's degree, right? If you get a bachelor's degree with honors, there are different rankings of the honors that you receive with your degree. So if you right. get a first 
that is a like high honor bachelor's degree, essentially, right. is what that means. So he receives a first in um, honor moderations, which is Greek and Latin literature, in 1920. Uh, a first in the greats, which is philosophy and ancient history, in 1922, and a first in English in 1923. Wow. So um, Could you imagine if your college major was just greats? What did you yeah. major in, in college? Greats? The greats. The greats. Oh, you know, the greats. <laughs> you know. And um, uh, moderations. That's neat. Greats. Greats and moderations. <laughs> With a, with a minor in moderations. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, but, you know, this is sort of the... He is a lifelong scholar, and yeah. it is very much seen here when he just... My degrees have degrees, you know what I mean? <laughs> wow. Wow. That poll made me really proud. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that's I'll have? An, my degrees. My degrees. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys don't know what that is... um. I'm sorry to inform you it was Kanye West, but I'm thrilled to inform you it was be- before he It, it was uh, back when, his, off when he rails. was good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When his music was good. Oh. And he was not I'm quite getting as I'm gonna get nuts. sad about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Um just a note, because I think it's fun. In nineteen twenty one, uh he meets WB Yates. Yates. Yes. I always I always say his Yates. name wrong because because it's spelled weird. I mean it's not spelled weird. It's spelled and then you pronounce it the other way. Um yeah. Um, but he was, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, but he was a big fan of the, like, Irish cultural movement. He wasn't super involved in it himself. Like, he wasn't learning the language or, like, anything like that. But he was interested in the mythology and the culture and all of that. So he wasn't involved in the movement, but he was following the movement. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, f- in 1924, he works as a philosophy tutor at University College. And then in 1925, he's appointed as an English fellow at Magdalen College, Oxford, and begins working as an English language and literature t- tutor. And he stays in this job for the next 29 years. Wow. So lifelong scholar, like big mm-hmm. time, like yeah. <laughs> by definition. Um, and then in 1926, this is when he meets J.R.R. Tolkien, who just is going to be a lifelong friend of his. We're yeah. not going to talk a ton about their relationship, mostly because I just didn't really get the time to sit down and go digging. And frankly, I think I'll probably end up talking about it more when I talk about Tolkien. Yeah, because probably. they're um, razzing and riffing on each other, I think. It has um, more to do with Tolkien and his work. Than it's, it, it's more influential yeah. on his work than it is to C.S. Lewis's. It is right. also present in Lewis's, but... Oh, yeah. There's a little, I, I think there's a little more of it yeah. with Tolkien, so we'll probably spend a little more time on that they when I talk about him. They love to razz each other. They sure Except did. They're, they're always razzing. Yep. Um, I th- To me, their relationship reminds me, not exactly, but sort of like, and this is a poll only for you old internet people, <laughs> okay. um, the way that John Green and Maureen Johnson like worked oh, together yeah. a ton in their early days of writing, where they would like spend a lot of their time writing together and helping each yes. other with their work. Like that's kind of how a lot. they yeah. are. Yeah. That makes a they, lot of sense. They just Except form that, a, you know, Maureen um, and John weren't like constantly like picking at each other. Yeah, no, no. Way. But they formed but that working relationship yeah. of being, you know, and they're also the very same... good friends. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, in on September 24th of 1929, his father dies. 
I didn't really find much Bummer. more on that uh, than that. Yeah. yeah. Bummer. Um, uh. <laughs> and then here is the more important thing that happens in 1920. <laughs> Sorry. Um, is that he converts from atheism to theism. Now, yeah. he will eventually then convert back into Christianity, but there's a period where he just identifies himself as theistic and not anything more than that. Um, but eventually in 1931, he will identify as Christian again and he becomes a member of the Church of England. Um, and C.S. Lewis was super bummed because he really wanted him to come be a Catholic with him. But that's yeah, besides the point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know really like what's worse. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like the intensity. Yeah. But he <laughs> came from the Church of Ireland into the Church of England. So I know I that's like what that. I'm saying, though. Like, doesn't it kind of make more sense for him to have then become a Catholic? I don't know. Yeah, the Church of Ireland was not Catholic, though. No, I know, but it's more Catholic adjacent than the Church of England yeah. would be, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's still a lot of tensions between the Catholics and the Protestants at this time, yeah, too. So it's true. like... That is true. That is true. It's not that less yeah, than there used like to be, but it is still present. Before, yeah, that's true. It would be a bigger leap, I guess, for him to to become Catholic than to, you know, remain Protestant. But with make a little make a little jump over to but, different Protestantism oof, again. And an Irishman in the Church of England—that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> wow. Um, this quote uh, is a quote from him about like his conversion experience that I think is really, I just like it okay. um, because he was really begrudging about deciding to believe in God again. He was like, Oh, really? Um, so here's, here's <laughs> it's the like, quote. It's like, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, here's the quote. You must picture me alone in that room in Magdalene night after night feeling whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work. The steady, unrelenting approach of him who I so earnestly desired not to meet. <laughs> that which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed, perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant converts <laughs> in all of England. <laughs> That's hilarious. I am obsessed oh with his attitude towards it all. <laughs> It's re- you can you really can picture him just being like, ugh, come on, <laughs> fine. Okay. You're right. Okay. It does bring me more comfort. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Whatever. It's so but funny. it's so interesting though because I think typically what you would see with someone who studies as much as him is someone going just in the opposite direction. Yeah. So, it's very interesting See, that's why that I f- it, this is why I of, find him so interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting that all that study and stuff sort of brought him back to mm-hmm. that belief, which is just not typical. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not impossible, mm-hmm. but it's not the it's not what you usually hear about mm-hmm. people. When you they don't get deep find in their many devoted academics at this time yeah. period who are also as or now de- yeah who are also as as devoted as christians like to mm-hmm. both practices yeah it's yeah. interesting i and i we i would love to talk more about that i think it will be okay. more relevant when we wrap around to some of his writing okay so let's hold it in our brains <laughs> already can do can do um he at this same time publishes like two books um, under the pseudonym Clive Hamilton. So these are his first published works. 
Galati didn't stick with that. Yeah, same. <laughs> it's not um, good. <laughs> no, he did eventually wrap back around it. Clive is his real name, but... No, I know that, but Clive Hamilton yeah. is not good. I mm-hmm. mean, Clive's not great, but it's okay. Yeah. Clive Staples is bad. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> CS rules. <laughs> yeah, that rules hard. We love that. Okay. <laughs> um. So in 1930, um, CS, his brother Warren... Janie and Maureen um, all buy and move into a house in Oxford called the Kilns. Um, so they like all go in on it together and then the four of them live there. Love that. So they have just built their own little family unit, which yeah. I think is really nice. Um, and in 1933, he publishes his first novel after after converting back to Christianity and um, and it's also his first novel novel on the topic of Christianity, and it's called The Pilgrim's Recess. Um, mm. And it's based, it's like t- meant to mirror the Pilgrim's progress. Right. It's yes, very interesting work. Um, and he will write so many novels on so many different Christian topics. Mm-hmm. Um he is what is considered a Christian apologist. So a lot of his works are defending the church and the faith, but he's one that takes the, let's take a logical view of belief and apply that to Christianity to make the church make more sense. Yeah. Which is not how all Christian apologists write. No, and I this I think is relevant to what you're saying about that. Mm-hmm. I always found it interesting that he did this through fiction. No, and some fiction and some nonfiction, but a lot of fiction. But, yeah, but a lot of novels. He yeah. wrote so many, you know, works of fiction mm-hmm. uh, in that way, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it relies so heavily on like allegory and, and suspension of disbelief. Yes. And, like, but it is, like you said, it's all about logic still. Mm-hmm. And I always found that interesting. Again, mm-hmm. as a, like an academic, that he wasn't, he didn't always focus. making that logical argument for or right. against. But I yeah. always found that interesting that as such an academic that he did not focus on writing, you know, academic leaning texts about this. Primarily, yeah. Right. He, he, had a, he had a very healthy mix of both. He writes about 30 books in his lifetime, and there's a, you know, a health, a heavy mix of scholarly yeah. work. But and he doesn't get famous for his scholarly work. No, he, he doesn't. famous for his fiction. Only a couple of his scholarly works are, like, really well, well known. known. Yeah. Right. Um, so, World War II starts in 1939. He is living in England, so it is, you know, relevant and pressing. Um... His little family unit there um, starts to take child evacuee- evacuees from London to their home, it, the Kilns in Oxford. So if that sounds familiar, the, the, that's a blue. It's a clue that's going to come up later. <laughs> a clue, um, a clue. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was 40 when the war started. So he tries to reenter military service. Um, and like offers to like train cadets, but they say, you're good, my guy, you've done your work, you can take a breather. Um, 
the recruiting office asks him if he will write columns for the Ministry of Information. Um, and he declines as, I like this quote, as he did not want to, quote, write lies to deceive the enemy. Interesting. <laughs> Which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, so in 1940... He begins weekly meetings of an, like an informal discussion society called the Inklings. Um, and this is with Tolkien and then just a, bu- a bunch of other authors and scholars and folks who are... Love that name. Yeah, same. Um, folks working in and around Oxford, you know, and they meet for a really long time. Um, and then from 1941 to 1943, he um, does like a religious program that the BBC broadcasts while london is under air raids so it's meant to be just one of those like find some comfort here's a radio show for you to listen to you know um they are very very popular this is what makes him famous in his lifetime um is you know he he is one of those people who spent a lot a portion of his life not being a famous person and then was famous in yeah and then one was famous in his lifetime some other people some of his other contempor- contemporaries were not famous in their lifetimes, but right. um, yeah, he's he's in his forties. Yeah, by the time yeah, um, and later the scripts for these broadcasts and a couple of his other um, works of Christian writing get collected into a book called *Mere Christianity*, which is a a pretty famous one of his mm-hmm. Christian writings. Um, in 1942, he becomes the first president of the Oxford Socratic Club, hmm. which I just thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then over the next few years, he publishes a bunch of his novels. I'm not going to list them all out, but like this is, no. there's like a big chunk of time during and post World War II where basically all he's doing is teaching and writing. So he's right. working at the college as he's been doing and he is writing novels. And he is really deep into the Christian apologetic like phase of his writing. And like a lot of his works are about that. He, publishes a bunch of his most some of his most famous novels and novel series this is not quite narnia yet but he yeah publishes building a lot. up to it <laughs> yeah yeah um in 1946 he's awarded an honorary doctor of divinity from the university of saint andrews and then in on october 16th 1950 he publishes the first novel in the chronicles of narnia series the lion the witch and the yeah. wardrobe awesome. um and I just feel like it is the culmination of the everything about him. <laughs> um, totally. And his work and his life. Like, he, so he was, in in his broader work, uh, like, an expert on allegory. Like, that is yeah. the thing that he yeah. was, like, known for in his work. But what I find really interesting is that when he talks about the Narnia books, he does not describe them as an allegory. He everybody know, else wild. considers it like a really impressive allegory. Yeah, but to he, be it, to be it's considered to be like one of the better allegories ever written. Probably. Yeah, yeah. but he, when he, he, I just think he had such an academic viewpoint on it. He mm. that he was like technically it's not really an allegory because of abcd you know what i mean yeah um, it's one of those things where it's like all right okay yeah we get it but you i know, think it's, it's just allegory. He shut up <laughs> so expertly uses like his long-running love of mythology and yeah. um 
the allegories of Christianity that he's been spending years, like, uh, picking apart and understanding. And all of that gets poured into that book series. And it's so, like, it still reads as fantasy when uh-huh. you're young. Because it's still a children's, it's a children's series. Yeah, you know, it's his, it's like, he doesn't so write like, children's books typically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's not like he was a children's author exclusively. Mm-mm. So, yeah, I man, I remember getting the Narnia books. I remember getting The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe at the Scholastic Book Fair. Classic. I don't know what happened to it. I think it's just gone. I have no clue where it is. I don't know. I have the series, but I have like a box series. Yeah, that's yours. Yeah. I don't know what happened to it. Who's to say? Maybe I gave it to someone and they kept it. But uh, yeah, I remember getting it. I loved The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm -hmm. That one was the best, Mm -hmm. obviously. I love those books. Yeah. I Yeah, man. That's crazy. I didn't, I hadn't even thought about it like in terms of it being a kid's book and that's not really what he writes Mm-mm. but it's like his most famous yeah piece of and i, ju- piece I of just literature. think it's so like it's relevant to the heart that he had for wartime it's relevant yes, to the, the heart course. that he had for um his academic studies and for mythology like all of it i feel like yeah. pours into those books i i don't know i just think it's really interesting it's been forever since i read them but mm-hmm. still classics um Around the same time, uh, Janie is diagnosed with dementia and she's moved into a nursing home um, and she dies on January 12th, 1951. So he, you know, visited her in the nursing home every day. They, he lived with her and, and her daughter, like up until she died. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) this quote I found very interesting. Uh, Lewis was named on the last list of honors by George VI in December of 1951 as a commander of the Order of the British Empire, but declined so as to avoid association with any political issues. Hey, there's our guy. We're yeah. talking about him. That's what I was saying. Um, it's, there was some relevance. It was, it was George's time in England. Yeah, that's so funny that you say that because I just recently watched an interview of um john oliver was on seth meyers recently and you know the queen died so he was asking him about you know a bunch of stuff about the queen in england then he was asking him about like weren't you offered an order of the british empire and he said yes (laughs) he declined also (laughs) he said they called him and he was like "Mm, i know what you're gonna ask i don't want it and they said well we'll we're gonna call you back tomorrow and they called him back the next day and he said no i still don't want it like it's the uh the be at the end there that i'm not super comfortable with being after my name yes so similar vibe there um in 1954, uh, he accepts a new job um, as the newly founded chair in medieval and renaissance literature at Magdalene College in Cambridge. Um, and also around the same time, he has started uh, corresponding with Joy David Gresham, who mm-hmm. is an American writer. Um, she is originally uh, of like a Jewish background, and then she was a communist for a while, yeah. 
Um, and then she converted from atheism to Christianity. So she also lived. She, quite a journey. A storied life. And one yeah. that is relevant to him and his journey as well, you know? Yeah, for sure. So they become friends very quickly um, because they have similar life experiences and are both writers and all that kind of stuff. Um, she's separated from her husband and she moves to England with her two sons. Um, and after her divorce finalizes in 1956... Um, she and C.S. Lewis decide to have a civil marriage so she can continue to live in the UK. So mm-hmm. they are in a, technically a, like a romantic relationship. They were just very good friends. Um, and he was like, yeah, sure. We yeah. can get married so you can if stay. If you're not married by the time you're... <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm not married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, then in 1957, Joy gets diagnosed with bone cancer. Um, and through that process, both of them realize, oh, we actually, like, would like to actually be in a relationship with each other. Like, we love each other very much. Um, and so they decided they want to have, like, a Christian marriage and not just Uh a civil marriage. Uh Um, but, you know, because she was divorced (laughs) and it was the Church of England, it was kind of tough. But they had a, a friend, Reverend Peter Bide, who performed the ceremony for them, um, in her bed in Churchill Aww. Hospital on March 24th in 1957. Um, wow. Her cancer goes into remission for a couple of years, but then it recurs in 1960, and she d- dies on July 13th, 1960. Um I'm feeling very emotional today because this is making this is all making me very sad. Yeah, <laughs> well, just, I, we talk about deaths all the time on this we show. Do. For some reason, today every time you say somebody dies, I'm like, oh. Except for the dad, I was more like, oh. oh. <laughs> um, he continues to like help raise her sons after she dies. Um, I'm not sure how old they were by this point, but they, you know, stay a part of each other's lives. Right. Um, and then in June of 1961, he is diagnosed with nephritis. Is that right? Oof. Nef- yeah, nephritis. Nephritis. Yeah. Um, which is a, a kidney disease. Um, and yeah. it causes blood poisoning. So he is really Ugh. ill. Um, that is, oh, it's awful. Yeah. Ugh. So Every his, time, anytime I hear about blood poisoning, I'm like, yeah. ugh, God, it's awful. Um, his illness causes him to miss the fall term at Cambridge, um, but he improves, like, a ton and returns to work in April of 1962. Like, he was apparently, like, back to his old self, like, Mm -hmm. seemed perfectly healthy. Um, and then, okay, I'm just gonna read this whole quote because it's a little bit wild. Okay. On, uh, July 15th, 1963, he falls ill and is admitted to the hospital. He had had a heart attack at 5 p.m., the next day and lapsed into a coma, but then unexpectedly woke up the following day at 2 p.m. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, after he was re- discharged from the hospital, he returned to the kilns, but he was too ill to work. Um, so he resigns from his post at Cambridge in August of 1963. Wow, that was a lot. Yeah. Happened. Wild. Wow. Um, and then in mid-November of 1963, he's diagnosed with end-stage kidney failure. Yeah. Um, he collapses at 5.30 p.m. on November 22nd and dies a few minutes later. Um, he was 64 years old. He died exactly one week before his 65th birthday. 
Oh. So he almost lived the round life, which if anyone, this is a weird thing about me, is that I think that that is the ideal life to live. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with the concept of dying on your birthday. Um, and he was so close. Born this day, died this Born day. Born this day, died this day. He was so close. Yeah. Um, so, but then here's the thing, is that he was pretty famous. Like, he had a Time magazine cover in his lifetime, um, yeah. was a very well-known figure. There's almost no reports of his death, you know, like news reports of his death. And that's because uh, JFK was assassinated about an hour after C.S. Lewis died. It was like 55, like he was shot about 55 minutes after C.S. collapsed. Wow. Which is really weird. Wow. So it's just like. Stuff like that, man. Wow. I don't, you know. Yeah. Sometimes the universe just does some weird things and yeah. I can't wrap my brain around it. There was somebody else too. It was another author that I didn't like recognize the name of who also died that same day. And there's somebody who wrote a book that was like a conversation in heaven between the three of them upon all of their deaths on the same day. Um, that was really interesting, but I can't remember who the other author was. Oh, um... Aldous Huxley. Yes, that's it. Of yeah. course, he wrote Brave New World. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's somebody wrote a novel that's the concept of the three of them sitting down and having a conversation on the day of their death, of their oh, collective that's death. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I might have to find that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, he is buried at Holy Trinity Church in Headington, Oxford. Um, his brother Warren dies about ten years later, and they are buried in the same grave together. Mm which I thought was very sweet. Wow. Yeah. That was an interesting one. Yeah, that's what I got on CS. It's just an interesting dude. No, he is. There was not really a strong reason to want to do this one for this episode, <laughs> besides just, I like CS Lewis, so I was like, you know, always be interesting to learn reason. about. Yeah. I, if, if this was a different podcast, we could have spent a lot of time talking about religion and his views and his works and his yeah. writings. Uh, cause, oh my gosh, he's a fascinating guy, um, in terms yeah. of his beliefs and the way that he wrote about them, but, yeah, I just think he's a cool, cool dude, neat guy. Yeah, and I'm always interested with people who become famous, like, later in life. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, th- I'm thrilled anytime someone doesn't have to grow up in fame, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but know? also thrilled when they get their work recognized within recognized. their lifetime. Yeah. As long as it's not, you know, a dangerous situation. Because yeah. that also happens. But, yeah. uh, you know. Um, yeah. But like I said, I don't know when. Um, but I'll probably wrap, wrap back around and do one on um, Tolkien eventually. I'm not really in a rush to do that. But I've done one on CS now, so I feel like I have to. Like, it feels yeah, for sure. correct to do one. So I mean, I Mandy, you don't have to justify yourself. Look at all the, like, Every ones single that royal I've you've done. done? That, yeah. yeah, and then it spurs. And I was literally just talking about how yeah. one will spur another yeah. soon. Oh, man. All right. Well, history's great, but today is good, too. What's your favorite thing about modern times? Welcome to Modern Times. It's a segment of the podcast where we talk about things that we love, about the here and now. Yes. I want the listener to know that even though you can't see me, I do do a little dance every time she <laughs> I do, too. It. I think it's delightful. <laughs> it's Modern Times time. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Um, You go first. Okay. Um... This week, my favorite thing about Modern Times is 
a trivia night. Oh, yeah, of course. I love a trivia night. I'm going to a trivia night tomorrow. I'm going to a Hocus Pocus trivia tomorrow. I'm so upset I can't go to that. Amanda, if you had me on your team. I know, it'd be dangerous. Do you think anybody would stand a chance? No, no. Absolutely not. No. And I'm already decently confident in my own skills. So if it yeah, was I us together, good. it would be a problem. It would be a problem. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody could beat me at trivia about that movie. No, 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 no. Um, but I love trivia nights. It's a, I love a themed trivia night. I love a general trivia night. I love when I don't know any of the answers and I just sort of wing it. I yes, think it's always I fun. I always have a good time. I love coming up with silly little trivia names. I have I have found the team name that I use every time I play, except for I will probably you, find a specific one for Hocus Pocus. Disclose it on the podcast? Somebody's um, going to steal it. I don't know. But it's so good I, mean, I, I want to share you could, it. You could give people permission to use it. Yeah, it's so good I want to share it. So um, my team name that I always use for a general trivia, like unless we're doing a themed trivia, um, is the Quizney Channel original movies. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think it's so funny. I came and up with that on almost, my own. It's almost relevant to the Hocus Pocus one. Almost. Not quite. Because yeah. it is a Disney movie, but it's not a Disney Channel movie. And also, I think, you I think we might go that. with um, the mangy feel lines for the Hocus yeah, Pocus really one. Because like I think that's a really good trivia. Like, I think it's a good team name. Yeah, that's great. I, I also thought it would be really funny, but it wouldn't really make that much sense um, to make your team name We Lit the Black Flame Candle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Yeah. I suggested that you just just call your team Bonjour, je veux mon lit. See, I think that's hilarious, but I don't want to make the host have to speak French all night. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. But I do think that that is an excellent team name. I do too. Trivia nights are so fun. Do you remember we used to go to trivia? So personal anecdote time amanda and i used to do we would go to trivia sometimes with uh at like our local hometown bar that amanda mm-hmm. and i this sounds weird to say but like grew up going it's, like to. A, it's a brew pub it's not just a yeah, bar but yeah it's yeah restaurant too but um we would go to trivia night there with our parents and our parents friends and our so parents like, are the young people in their group of friends right. <laughs> so it yeah. would be us and then other people who were all 50 and up and then I'd like run into people from my high school there on yeah. teams of like people my age. <laughs> and I was like, I'll be over here. Yeah. Because this was when I was in college mostly. Yeah. Um, but it was a good yeah, time. That was fun. That's a good trivia. one. Thank you. Are you ready for mine? Uh huh. Okay. Pillsbury um, holiday cookies. I'm talking the, like, stamped ones. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The little yeah. sugar cookies with the little faces on them. Yeah. Or various little characters. They might be characters. pumpkins. They might be ghosts. I think sometimes now they're maybe Frankensteins. I don't remember. Or little black cats. Yeah. And you then at Christmas time. You got your they're, Yeah. They're trees. You got your Santa Clauses. Yes. All oh, the Santa Clauses are great. And they're deformed little faces. Yes. So good. I love them. They're Same. the perfect little sugar cookie. And now I've seen people on TikTok making like copycat recipes. And I'm like, that's great. No, 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 no. But no, why no, would no. you do that? Why I would you do that? I want that they're... manufactured stuff. A hundred percent. Now, 
when you buy them now, they have them in the packages that are like pre-portioned where you like break the sections apart. But when I was a kid, you got the tube where yep. you sliced it. I remember and the tube. The, you know, you saw it all the way through, you know, the tube of sugar cookie dough. Yeah. Oh, so satisfying to cut those and like mm-hmm. see the faces and to in just the center. pop a whole one in your mouth raw. Mm. Yeah. Oh my mm. gosh. They're so good. That's the other thing. They're the perfect size. Yeah. They're not like a huge cookie that for me is like too much sugar. I, am, I like cookies, but I can't eat a lot of sugar I at once. I don't like it. I am only medium on sugar cookies in general. They are not my favorite me cookie. Too. But, but those, I will destroy about 10 of those. 100%. Without thought. Yeah. They're perfectly they're so good. sweet. I, yeah. They're so good. And Excellent. I was just thinking... Because I got a bunch of fall desserts because you and our cousin are coming to visit me in a few days. Mm-hmm. And um, I have all these like pumpkin desserts. And I was like, I think I still have some of those Pillsbury cookies in the freezer. <laughs> but I'm going to make something else. So I'm not making those this weekend. But oh. anyway, got me thinking about them. They're so that good. That's a good one. That was good. Thanks. Thanks. Speaking of holidays and pumpkins, <gasps> um, <laughs> spooky season. It's spooky Guys. season. It's the coming. next episodes, um, the next episode and the one after that are going to be our spooky season episodes. And we think we actually know what we're going to do. <laughs> he, oh, my gosh. A- Anna and I currently have, get this, a loose plan of the next for two the, months. For the next three, three months, months, my yeah. friend. Yeah. A loose plan. <laughs> a, us? Any plan at all? Oh my god, Major it's shocking. Accomplishment. Shocking. Major accomplishment. So, we're doing some spooky episodes next month. Get excited. Um, do we want to say right what the after theme that, is? Huh? Do we want to say what the theme is or do we want to No, let's hold it? off. Let's hold okay. off. Um, okay. And then right after that, we are approaching our 100th episode. Yes. Which is like really crazy. So, also in October, we're going to hit, how many years have we been doing this? Three, four? Three? I, I can't know. remember. <laughs> But we're about to hit like our other another milestone, like all in the next couple of months. So like, yeah, it's crazy. I'm actually pretty excited that we ended up taking that break when we did, because it meant that our hundredth episode got pushed back to be around our like podcast anniversary, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So we're very excited for what's coming up um, for once. Yeah. (laughs) So I think it's all going to be really cool and um, interesting. So Please make sure that if you want to get down with the spooky episodes and then the other cool stuff we have coming up that you, um, you know, follow along with the podcast. Yeah. Um, sh- hey, share it with a friend. Why not? Um, if you have any other topic suggestions, because God knows after this, there will be absolutely no plan and we're yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. Uh, So if you have other topic suggestions, you can send them to us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at RTTpod. And we would really love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And hey, like I said, share it with a friend or a uh, person you hate just because. Um, and if you want to find me on the internet... I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Woohoo! Woohoo! Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I'm excited. So excited for spooky season. Me too! <laughs> I'm so excited! Hype, 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 hype. All right. Well, get ready, get excited, and until next time, remember that time.